Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of Emerging Markets Insider with me, Chris Slowly, and as always, Raphael Kassin. Raphael, how are you doing? Hi, Chris. Still alive. Uh, happy to hear that you're alive too. <laughs> it's a good way to start. I, with that, we have had uh, more developments, more news, more stuff is coming out in both the emerging and the developed world. Um, there's plenty to keep people busy, it would seem. Have, how have you been keeping busy over this time? Um, well, I've been doing a lot of philosophizing, uh, if that's the right term, uh, so. about about what's been going on in our our times. Um, it's very interesting. Uh, I mean, the Queen's speech was quite nice, uh, and and I think it put a little bit of pressure on younger generations uh, to let's say prove that they're that they're strong, and and I think that's what we need because we're seeing lots of people. And, and of course, the main, main topic of the of of this is is the coronavirus uh, problem, right? And the and the lockdown that lots of countries are having. Sure. And, and so, in, in within that context, um, we are not seeing yet a, the end of the tunnel. We're not seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. It's not coming towards you, or neither we are going towards it. It's just not clear at all. Um, so, so what I'm seeing. Uh, and I'm hearing is a lot of trades that people in the old days used to consider obvious trades uh, these days are not so obvious um, because either because somebody gets into it really quickly and then you don't have time to get into it anymore and then when you have the we've had the time uh, the trade turns around quickly so people are going in it just for a quick buck um, I'm, I'm also hearing about a, a, a diversion in credit so if we go back to how I started this, and sorry for having diverged, um, we, we, we have seen uh, with this coronavirus, this lack of direction towards the end of the tunnel. Uh, the, uh, equity markets in the last week have gone ballistically up uh, higher, and, uh, and a lot of people, the people I know, just don't understand why that's happening, and neither do I. Is it optimism because Trump has gone around and said that we're hitting peak levels? Um, we, I still see large or very high uh, death numbers, uh, and I don't see a, a vaccine. So what we could potentially have is governments deciding that instead of cutting the leg, they're just going to cut the foot and have a, go back to, to business, uh, re, have global economies recover, uh, and and have the few sick here and there pay for it, right? Which is probably what markets are believing is going to happen. But aside from that, right, even if that happened, we would still probably have a second wave. And we probably still wouldn't have a lot of people who with a recovery from this problem. So you may have a lot of people dying. Um, so where do I see what do I see happening with markets as a result of that? Um, I see problems on the credit side. A lot of countries, let's say Ecuador, right, that were in good financial shape, uh, and this is a, a topic that can be debated, but they have a good they they had good debt numbers. Uh, they had a deal with the IMF, but they they they've been having quite a few deaths. I mean, in perspective, they've had 160 deaths, right? It's not a lot, uh, but for them, it is. And, and they've had lots of cases. So that's put a, a, a stop in their economy. And they're discussing the issue of reprofiling the debt so that they, can, they don't have that much pressure 
within the next few weeks. They, they in fact, had stopped payment uh, on, on coupons on three bonds already. So we might start seeing uh, within emerging debt uh, this segmentation between the very high investment grade paper and the rest, which is obviously non-investment grade. And, and we may see within the latter a lot of countries just deciding that they want to restructure or reschedule because they can, because this is a good moment. If you turn around and say, well, I'm having problems, I, I need to spend money locally so that I, as a government, am seen uh, as being responsible, uh, you're going to do that because you want to get reelected, right? So as a result, you, you, your foreign uh, um, debtors are going to be sitting around and saying, sorry, your foreign creditors are going to be sitting around saying, well, you know, you have to pay me, right? And, and they, they'll, they'll tell them that they can't. So if that, sorry, Rafa, if that is the case, who's most vulnerable then? Who do you think is going to be slightly opportunistic and use this as a cover to perhaps push some debt away? Well, we, we have already seen, let, let's talk about the countries that were already in discussions vis-a-vis uh, -vis restructuring. Argentina was about to start conversations. In fact, they wanted to do this rather quickly. That conversation has gone into ban mahi. You know, it's not going to happen for a little while. The province of Buenos Aires has come around and said they want to reprofile too. Lebanon is in dire straits these days. Um, Venezuela, we don't know what will happen because there is a chance that with the recent uh, attacks by the U.S. administration on Maduro, there, something might come out of it, right? They're, they're trying to, to accuse him of... Uh, of uh, drug dealing and and God knows where that can go. I mean, you know, first first steps sometimes are not very clear, but they can lead to something interesting. Uh, but yeah, the Venezuelans they haven't paid for a while, right? And they've been holding back. Uh, and 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 this is only on the sovereign side. Huh? I mean, I could you could talk about some sovereigns in Africa, but these are smaller. And I would argue that if Ghana has a problem with their level of debt. They probably are going to deal with multilaterals first. They'll deal with the IMF, with the World Bank, the IFC, and they probably will get some kind of support. So I'm not worried too much about these guys. But what I'm worried about is the plethora, to use your dictionary word, uh, of, uh, of corporates who in the last 10 years uh, were in, in emerging countries, funded uh, they you know, got debt uh, in dollars, and now their currencies are blowing up. Needless to say, just look at the real and the South African rand, right? And I mean, these have gone baz bazooka. So these guys are are having a double whammy. They have a problem because their local businesses are reducing, and at the same time, uh, they have a currency issue. Right, their currency is more expensive, so they have to pay. In uh, the dollar is more expensive, so for them it's more expensive to service the debt. So I'm imagining that we could see a lot of issues on the corporate side that probably people are thinking will not happen. I mean, how much money can the IMF, World Bank, IFC, and whoever else you know come and 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 bail them out with? You know, there there will be. Lots of, of corpses along the way. That's that's what I see. Huh? Is this specifically because I was reading an economist piece this morning and they seem to focus 
hugely on Latin America. There was a big focus on the, I think they called it the the witless, the winners and witless wisdom of Latin America. And it seemed like there's a lot of focus there with Bolsonaro perhaps not taking it very seriously, Maduro, as you mentioned. But then we've seen on the flip side, Asia seems to be dealing with it or coming to some degree of normalization. I spoke to our editor in Singapore and she said they haven't really had a huge lockdown. They seem to be coming out of it. And we're hearing from CIOs and top level asset allocators that China and Chinese debt is now looking attractive again. So is this a, is the emerging world splitting as we expected it to? And Asia is perhaps going to come out this much better than Latin America. I totally agree with you. And then, um, yes, the Chinese, whether it's uh, totally true or there's a little bit of massaging there, uh, you know, it's, it's for sure they're, they're well, the, the Chinese economy supposedly is recovering, right? Um, and that will definitely help corporates around the region. Um, Latin should benefit from trade with China. There's lots of trade with China. In fact, China is Brazil's largest trading partner. Uh, but in Latin, uh, I, I, I could always almost uh, use the, the term that we used in the past, the lost decade, but no relationship to the last 10 years. I mean, just, I mean, it's really what, what a lot of these countries have not done over the last 10 years or even the last 20 years since I started in this business uh, before the Russian crisis, the usual story was emerging countries are going to fix themselves up, right? They're going to uh, um, graduate, let's say, from the emerging universe. And it hasn't happened. If you look at Brazil, for example, uh, I, I am usually critical of rating agencies. And, and again, you know, I, I have to be critical. Uh, the, the, I think it was S&P overnight uh, came up with a change in the, in the outlook for Brazil. Uh, but I don't know why they didn't downgrade Brazil. And, and what I found a little bit uh, interesting was the comment that was made. It was, well, we are not going to do any further rating action, uh, but you know, we think that there is there's some sluggishness from the part of the government in getting fiscal reform, in actually fixing itself up, right? Well, I have been hearing that Chris since I left Brazil when I was a kid so they, they haven't done anything I mean obviously we have Bolsonaro now as president and he is much better than Lula believe me we could have Venezuela in Brazil if we had Lula as, as president um, but Bolsonaro isn't able to do anything because the political system in Brazil is too fractioned too many parties and of course Bolsonaro has been taking a very funny radical approach to his commentary. Uh, his son uh, went around and, and made uh, very derogatory comments to the Chinese government. And, and now, you know, first of all, that's not very nice. And second of all, it's your biggest trading partner. partner so why would you do that? Well, it just seems like it's a, a weird situation where now is not the time to make enemies. It does seem like a lot of people are either, I mean, before this all happened, there was a lot of pushback against globalization. And there was a lot of feeling, of, especially from the US, that protectionism was the way forward. And I mean, that was an underpinning of the, the trade war. 
But do you think there's any argument that the way to get out of this is to have better trade ties and to ensure that people do have lines of trade, lines of communication, that they can start doing business and that business will help their economies? Yeah, they're going to have to do it. Uh, there, there are lots of um, reports on on the decrease of of labor uh, movement from one country to another. You know, people talking about uh, the Germans not having enough Polish or Ukrainian workers to pick up the crops. Um, so I think that's why you know I, when I mentioned that I thought equity markets were too exuberant these days. Um, I would say even complacent is, is my favorite word. Um, it is exactly because we are really in the middle of the storm and, and there are a lot of things that have to be sorted uh, before we can go back to normality. So if we, if we just go back to normality, it may be that we don't really, you know, you can heal the, the leg, the broken leg, but you may not heal it perfect, perfectly. Uh, if you don't give it enough time and, and the right approach. So I think we're going to have, look, in the next few weeks, I'd say, uh, especially on the on the high yield side of, of debt, of the debt market, uh, I can see lots of illiquidity. Um, I could see countries coming around with requests to reschedule uh, debt payments, uh, moratoria, and all of that. Uh, I can see... Even on the corp, on the on the equity side, dividends not being paid, uh, and we've heard of that. So so we could it, it could be a messy six months from here, and and you could you could go into the discussion of whether we're going to have a V-shaped recovery, or whether it's going to be a Nike swoosh uh, recovery, which is probably more likely. The shape of the recovery, that seems to be an ongoing thing because we had this CIO debate and there was a clash between whether it would be a W, a U, a V or, yeah, a Nike one as well. I think there's there's still a lot of, and we mentioned this, I think we talked about this in our last uh, podcast, about whether the, everything gets a little bit of a bounce. So you need to be careful of whether that bounce is sustainable or not. But you think it's going to be sort of a, a dip and then a, a slow climb rather than any sort of rapid up and down. Yeah, look, you probably have spoken with people in the market and you probably got the same feedback that I got. Uh, and and even I, when I do my own trades. Uh, these days, it doesn't seem like anybody knows where the market is going and everybody jumps on the bandwagon whenever there's a slight movement, right? So if equities go up a little bit, then everybody jumps into equities. It may be gold. Uh, it may be... Another another asset class, but you we, we have a lot of cross correlation, uh, and and I, I I think in the old days you would have fund managers who would come in and say I really believe that this segment of the market has a lot to benefit, and 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 there is some difference between let's say emerging debt and emerging equities. There used to be a time when that was the case. Today, it's not as that's not so important. Uh, what's more important is that we get out of the coronavirus and the economies recover. And then, and so everything will go together, will go up together, right? And then you start separating uh, these sub-segments. So really, I think it's, you know, we've, we've gone underwater and the most important thing is to get above water and then we choose the direction to swim to. Yeah. 
I think that's it. I think we need to prioritise just stabilisation rather than uh, sort of acceleration at this point. Just speaking, just finally, Raphael, speaking as a, a somebody who's investing personally at the moment, where are you looking? Where are you avoiding? Well, I actually still, well, okay. There are things in, emer- there are bonds in emerging debt. There are countries that are trading around par. They haven't moved much, right? I mean, the index is down about 15% on the year. Uh, and and of, of course, there are some issuers that have dropped quite a lot. So there are some that haven't moved much. Um, there are some like Ghana and Nigeria, which are, where, for which the bonds are trading in the 60s or 70s. And, and you have to be careful about those because you don't know if they're going to go to 30 or if they're going to go or hang out where they are or if they're going to go back to par, right? People, there's a lot of uncertainty. And then there are countries like Ecuador where bonds have gone down to 30. And, and obviously you don't know what to do there because the issuer, I mean, it's gone down to 30 for a good reason because people are not sure what the issuer is going to do. And so when you ask me what I'm doing, I'm, I've got to be honest, I have lots of cash uh, like I always had, and I didn't. And I, I, I have to be honest about this. I didn't buy the stock market at the bottom, uh, but I've bought a few bonds here and there. Uh, I actually have added to Nigeria uh, because I think with oil prices where they are, uh, Nigeria can only get better. They have quite low debt to GDP numbers, um, but I'm, I'm very careful. I'm, I'm still sitting on the fence, and I'm happy to pick something up later in the cycle uh, when I'm more comfortable that we are going to see the light at the end of the tunnel, uh, then buy something, as I said, at around 70 and 80 and see it drop to 30 because that government has decided uh, it, it wants to get a moratorium. So I'm, I'm very careful, I would say. So looking towards the light at the end of the tunnel, it does remind me, Musi Kaden, who's the global head of fund selection at Pitt and Tay, wrote on LinkedIn, I think it was, uh, we're all looking for the light at the end of the tunnel. We just hope it's not a bullet train coming towards us. Yeah, I saw that comment. He's, uh, he's always uh, an a insightful guy and, and, and he's right. You know, and uh, I, I mean, I think we, one important point about the crisis we're having now is that I don't think this is 2008. I don't, I don't want to say it's worse than 2008 because uh, I think 2008 had a lot to do with financial uh, structures collapsing. Yeah. Um, but I would say we have a little bit of the 98 crisis here. Remember when Russia, uh, the Russian crisis, the Asian crisis, that was a credit issue over borrowing. Um, in 2001, we also had a bubble you know, with the NASDAQ. So if we put all of these together, I think we might see – elements of all of those in in today's crisis so it's i think he's right i think i think his point was it could go horribly wrong i don't think we're going to go horribly wrong because let's let's let me just add a last bit of of uh of insight here um us gdp is roughly 20 trillion dollars and the package they've come up with is about two two trillion so we're talking about 10% of, of GDP as a shot in the arm, not the vaccine yet, but um, into, into the economy. If they, if they manage that smartly, that is equivalent to a 40% yearly GDP, uh, annualized GDP uh, contraction, right? 
or in this case, an expansion, but it, it balances out. So if you, even if you are in the camp that believes the bullet train is going to come and it's going to be a 40% hit on GDP uh, and a, uh, you know, um, on a yearly basis, uh, well, with that support package, the U.S. economy is, in, is somehow protected. If, if, like Nancy Pelosi has come out and said she wants to do, they add another trillion and a half, we're even doing better than that. So we, we make up for some of that, of that sluggishness in getting the, the package going. So I think we are at, I am at the top of the, of the wall and I'm trying to figure out, yeah, okay, can I, can I lean towards buying yet? And I haven't done that yet, but I'm also not thinking, I'm not throwing the baby in the bath water out because I think it's not the end of the world. But it's, it's, it's very tough times. And I think for managers these days, it's going to be very difficult to explain to clients all of the typical things that, that we managers usually tell them. Well, we diversify, we have risk management. None of that applies because this crisis is similar to Russia. It's sell first and, and ask questions later. Raphael, thank you as always. Thank you for taking the time. We're good to catch up shortly and find out how some of these things are progressing. The situation is moving really quickly. So I do appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Yeah, Chris, thank you too. And uh, stay healthy. I hope everybody is in 